Welcome to the SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Smallwood, and you are listening to Episode 4. This week, I am interviewing author and Bible teacher, Terry Lynn Underwood. Terry Lynn is the author of books such as Praying from the Pews and Prayers for Girls. She and I share a love for prayer. Edwin Keith Thompson said, Prayer is exhaling the spirit of man and inhaling the spirit of God. That quote resonates with me as there are few things more powerful in my life than prayer. I have volumes of prayer journals from years past and I love to take them out when I am feeling defeated or discouraged to be reminded how many times my prayers have already been answered. Not always in the way I asked or expected, mind you, but answered in the best possible way nonetheless. Listen in as Terry Lynn and I talk about praying for our kids from toddlerhood to adulthood, helping kids use social media in a positive way, and much more. Here's my interview with Terry Lynn Underwood. Hi, Terry Lynn. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so thankful to you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. We have been friends for quite a long time. Yes, we have. <laughs> Since the good old blogging days. Yes. Back what in the year? day when people commented. Right? <laughs> yeah, and had like, parties and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, what year did you start blogging? Um, 2008? Yeah, me too. That was the same year. I was talking to Stacy Thacker last week here on the podcast, and she started in 2009. And I was saying, I think that the first time I met all of you, like in person, was that relevant in 2010? I think that's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those days. I know. I know. I, I think about all the people that we met then and then like so many of them are not even blogging or anything anymore, which I guess is normal, but yeah, I, I took like four and a half years off. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I would ever go back to it. Um, and remember the time that we met in like some burger joint when I was traveling home yes. from a vacation just so we could have lunch together. Yes. I had forgotten <laughs> that so about fun. that. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So, so fun. I wanted to start by talking about your book, Praying for Girls, which I absolutely loved. Oh, um, thank you. I loved how you wrote it and left blanks for me to fill in my daughter's names because I have four. Right. And so there, there were chapters where I would insert one daughter's name because that chapter was like so applicable to her, what she's going through. And then another chapter, I might insert another daughter's name. It was just like a really powerful thing. So tell us about um, how that book came to be and your heart for that book. Well, I, in 2014, you know, still back in the semi (laughs) heyday of blogging, Uh um, that everyone was still doing the 31 days you know, posts in October. Mm -hmm. And I had done that. I think I started doing that in 2009 before there was even like a link up for it. I just did it. Mm -hmm. And so by 2014, Cassidy was 14. My daughter was 14. And so I decided to do a series of prayers based on scripture for her. Mm -hmm. So I just shared those every day. And, um, you know, as things go, people read it, some people commented, you know, but it wasn't like, I don't know. Viral. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like a deal, right? I mean, it was just out there. And so a year later, 
I was asked to, I had written another post about something else and I was asked to, if they could syndicate it on a much larger site. And I was like, sure. And the link that I had, one of the links that was in it was to the 31 days of prayers. So like in a week's time, that post that had all the different 31 prayers, like the index post, I guess, for that whole mm-hmm. series had gotten like 35,000 page views, Wow, which was kind of crazy for me because I don't have that many, you know, I mean, I'm like, I'm pretty small potatoes. Right. <laughs> and so, um, so I was like, wow. And so one of the things that people kept asking was, are you still writing these? Which I wasn't because I, I mean, I was still praying scripture for my daughter, but I wasn't like writing it and sharing it. And right. I had written a couple of other <laughs> series with, um, verses to pray for your husband. Um, I wrote one and then Scott and I wrote one together, but I wasn't just like, I wasn't consistently sharing those kinds of things. Yeah. So, um, out of that, I realized that there was clearly a hunger for scripture based prayers and guides for moms. So I called our, I think our mutual friend, Brooke McLaughlin, uh-huh. who wrote Praying for Boys and has um, been writing prayers, scripture-based prayers for gr- boy moms for years. And so I was like, Brooke, how hard is it to do this? Like, you know, what should I do? Do you think I should do it? She was like, please do it because we get asked every week at Mob Society if there is something like this for girl moms. Oh, cool. So I was like, okay, so I just, you know, slapped together a a website and, and started making these prayer calendars. And within a, I don't know, probably within a month, I had 1500 moms that had signed up to get prayer (laughs) calendars. So in the course of all of that, while that's happening on one side, Brooke is talking to her publisher for her book, Praying for Boys, which was Bethany House saying, Hey, did you want to do a Praying for Girls book? And they're like, Yes. And so they said, we're just waiting for the right, you know, we just haven't found somebody that we think can do it. And she said, well, I know who can do it. My friend, Terry Lynn. So she introduced me to the Bethany house team. How fun. And so in the course of all of that, I ended up signing a contract with them. So I am launching this new website, prayers for girls and, you know, trying to get all that done. And I'm writing this book called praying for girls, which in hindsight feels kind of silly. Like I should have called everything the same thing. Um, but, uh, so I did all of that and wrote the book and my book is, um, definitely a companion book with Brooks, like Mm -hmm. for parents who have both boys and girls and you probably, you probably have Brooks book also. They're not the same. Of course. Um, I, I have read Brooks book, but I intentionally did not even look at it while I was writing because I knew the heart of a girl's of a mom for her daughter is different though. I don't have a son. My mom has boys and I have lots of friends with boys and you just, you pray differently for your sons than you do for your daughters, even if right. you're praying the same thing for them. Right. Um, and so I, I wanted to make sure that I was very true to the heart of a girl mom. And then the other part of that is that somewhere deep inside all of us, there is still that little middle school girl who wants, mm-hmm. who wonders if anybody really likes her, right? Yes. And if she's ever really going to fit in and if she's, you know, like, so as I'm writing prayers for moms to pray for their daughters, the emails I get the most often 
our moms who say, I started to pray this and I realized I need to pray it for myself before I could pray it for my daughter or I need to believe it for oh, myself. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and Melissa, you, I'm sure because of your background in counseling and everything, like you have no idea. Well, you do. You have a great, great idea of how often <laughs> I – you can just imagine that I get emails regularly from women who say, I started praying this for my daughter and it broke me because I realized – I don't believe this for myself or I struggle in this area. And so there was, there's just this desperate need, I think, um, for moms to be reminded that while we are moms, we are still daughters of our own heavenly father. And all those truths that we pray for our girls apply to us also. Amen. I know that as a mom of a 13 year old, I've been really convicted lately about how I speak about my body Mm. because she, um, she's actually as tall as me. Um, she developed early, very similarly to how I did when I was her age. And, um, I see her being so hard on herself about her body. And then I think, what kind of an example am I setting when I'm frustrated about a two pound weight gain or, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And we really have to watch that. Yes. My 19 year old gets on to me about it. She's like, mom, stop. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing more convicting than your kid calling you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I wonder, Terry Lynn, if you, um, I'm sure you hear from moms who are struggling because middle school was hard enough back when we were kids, but these days social media takes it to another level. Girl. <laughs> and you've parented a girl through middle school and high school with social media. Like what advice do you have for parents to help girls navigate this almost kind of mean girl mentality on the internet. Um, I, I will say this. We waited till Cassie was 13 because we were unwilling to lie on any of the social media sites and say that she I'm was old. You know, like, yes. so there was this conviction. On, um, but, but also we, we are very active on social media. Like my husband and I Mm -hmm. are both incredibly active on social media. And so, so that's just, it's a huge part of what we do. I mean, a lot of my ministry is online interacting with people on social media. Scott is on staff at a church and you know, he uses social media and we've seen the benefits and values of it. So when we were approaching that with our daughter, which was of course, you know, in 2013. So it, it was much different then. Like the options available were not quite as many. So we gave Cassidy Facebook because we lived away from a lot of our family. And so it was a good way for her to stay connected to family. Um, We let her have Instagram and we let her have Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So those were the three that we started with. And um, in hindsight, actually, I don't know. I don't know that I would have done anything different then. I think I because we were pretty serious about monitoring. Cassie had to plug her phone in in the kitchen every night. You know, I mean, like we were doing all of those right things, right? Um, The issue for us that we ran into with Cassidy um, was actually not social media per se. It was texting. Um, Yes. And it was, it became the direct messages and that kind of thing, those, those parts. So I think, What I would say to moms is first, and this is going to sound so harsh, (laughs) but it's experience talking. Um, 
your child is not as innocent as you think she is. She no, knows that, and more. And every parent needs to realize yes. that. Yes. Your kids know more than you think they know. They always know more. They've always been exposed to more. Um, and it's that I don't say that to make people scared. Like no. I don't, that's, that's not a scary thing because the same thing was true about us. Right. Right. I knew more than my parents ever thought I knew also, you know, I mean, that's just the nature of it. And it's regardless if they go to public school, private school, homeschool, they are all more savvy than we think they are. Yes. And, and that is not a new thing in parenting. Um, It is also not a new thing in parenting to believe that you to that rule (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that you actually do know everything they know. Um, (laughs) But, um, I think what I would say is first, if you go into it with that awareness that they already know more than you think they know, and especially when it comes to technology, because we're pretty savvy, Scott and I both, about using technology and about understanding social media. Um, And there were times that Cassie was able to slip things past us. Right. And we're actively engaged in it, and we know a lot about it. So for the average parent who's just on Facebook – You know, like your kid knows a lot more than you do. And so I think the biggest thing is that I learned is first operate from a place with your child where you are acknowledging almost that, you know, that they have access to things that you don't understand. Mm -hmm. And what we tried to do was be less about the specific apps. Now, there were apps that I made her immediately get rid of. Okay. There were things that she did not have. Um, there were things that she was allowed to have until she abused the privilege and then she lost them. Snapchat has been on and off her phone. I don't even know how many times. Oh my gosh. I feel you. (laughs) So, um, because I also believe this largely social media is neither good nor bad. And I think there are apps that are, that are more dangerous than others, Mm -hmm. but I think largely, Social media is neither good nor bad. Um, It's how you apply its use. Correct. And so I feel like parents have a tendency, like I've even had a knee-jerk reaction. And I'll see some article on, you know, BuzzFeed or whatever. And like, oh, my gosh, and start freaking out. The world is falling. And, you know, you have to delete that from your phone immediately. And, you know, that's kind of an overreaction. And so I think the big thing is acknowledging that we know – we don't always understand everything they're doing and, mm-hmm. and we don't understand how they're using. And so one of the things that we did that we tried to do was say, okay, so you have Snapchat. Um, we can't check that, you know, <laughs> it disappears. Right. Um, these are our concerns about it. You know, these are the things that we are concerned about. And then acknowledging that everything that you can do on social media, you could actually do in real life as well. Correct. That's true. And so if you're that, like, this is what I discovered. The concerns that we had about Cassidy and how she was dealing with social media were actually not about social media. They were places in her life that we saw a lack of maturity or a lack of understanding. And it was real life stuff that was perhaps playing out on social media. Mm -hmm. And so we tried to, I think that's a good point. Yeah. So we were trying to address the bigger issue. The issue is never the app or the picture or the, what it's what's behind that. Mm -hmm. Now I would say on the whole, we were about 
65% successful. (laughs) (laughs) We missed it a lot. Um, But I think now that she's just a little bit older, because she's just 19, you know, she's not like grown up out of the house laughing about all the things we didn't know. Right. I right. Mean, that day will probably come too. It will but, come. I can promise you. Right. Yes. Right. In their mid twenties, they will be like, yeah. mom, you didn't know this. You had just, right. Yes. Oh my heavens. But, but we even now have conversations where, you know, I realize that there were things that we were saying to her that were sinking in though they weren't necessarily always being applied in that moment. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. Like she was grasping what we were telling her, even if she wasn't yet putting it into application in her life. Yes. And I always circle back around to this very profound piece of scripture. And I should have looked it up so that I could give you the reference, but I, I think it's in Proverbs and it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child mm-hmm. and the wise, you know, the wise will draw it out. Like this is the thing they're going to do foolish things because they're children. Right. The question is, am I still the foolish one, you know, with all that bound up in my heart or am I the wise one who seeks to draw it out? Exactly. The safest place for them to make these mistakes is at home with parents that can use it as a, as a life lesson. Yes. And we pray of course that they don't make every mistake possible, (laughs) but we acknowledge that they're going to at least make a few because they are sinners being raised by sinners in a sinful world. And I think acknowledging that takes it to a place where it is less about, am I a perfect parent and more about, am I pointing her to a perfect God? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that shift in thinking, I wish it would have happened for me earlier in Cassidy's life. Um, I think I didn't really grasp that until actually writing, the process of writing the book really drew me closer into that awareness to where I could really see that I was never, my biggest mistake was ever thinking that I could show her the way, you know, right? I'm not the way. I I never intended to be the way. Like I need to point her to Jesus who is the way instead of having her say, look at me because I'm going to fail in a thousand ways that she's probably not going to fail, you know? And so I think that was like, that was a big shift for me in thinking was that I did not need to be a perfect mom and that her, um, success in any area of her life was not contingent on any one action I performed or one word I said in any given day, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Yes, that take is some not pressure true. off yourself. Yeah, right. For sure. That, that I was moving a child toward adulthood. And my goal was to keep her eyes on the prize and the prize is Jesus, not a college scholarship, not, you know, making the cheerleading team, not whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the prize is Jesus. And so my goal was to keep her eyes on him. And when her eyes weren't on him to redirect her back that way. So I think that was, that was just a huge shift in thinking for me. I wish that I had had that when she was tiny, right? (laughs) I think that probably would have saved a lot of heartache in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) If I had had that kind of maturity and wisdom when she was younger, but I didn't. And and so part of me could go, I'm, you know, man, just think about how different things could have been. But I also think this, um, there is not a gap in my life that God has not filled. Mm-hmm. And that is true in parenting. 
as, as well as every other place. Right. So I'm curious, um, as Cassidy's getting older now, she's graduated from high school, um, and is getting, you know, she's launching into adulthood. Yeah. How have your prayers for her changed in this phase of life? Um, my friend Natalie, I tell people this all the time. My friend Natalie, who is probably one of the wisest friends I have, said to me, she has four children and her youngest is a year older than Cassidy. So then they're all, the rest of them are older than that. And so she told me a long, long time ago, cause we were, we met when I still lived in Georgia. So we, um, our girls were like elementary school mm-hmm. when we were friends and now, you know, they're both grown. And so, um, she, she told me that as our kids get older, the stakes get higher. Yes. And so what I have discovered is I pray far less about specific situations and issues. And I pray far more about where her heart is pointed because I've just learned in my life that if my heart is pointed toward Jesus, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm seeking him that most of those other things will fall into place. Like if I, my desire, my sole desire or my primary desire is to please him today, then all those decisions that I make today are going to be rooted in that. But if my desire today is off kilter and I'm like, I'm going to, you know, get all this stuff done and I'm going to, you know, solve this problem. And I'm like, if I'm focusing on what I can do, Mm-hmm. then I, I'm more likely to make choices, big and small, that don't reflect the heart of God, right. you know, and that aren't rooted in that. And so I think what I've just discovered, like this morning I was praying in Daniel for Cassidy. It was in Daniel chapter one where um, Daniel says that he doesn't want to be defiled by the king's food, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we just kind of think about that in terms of physically that Daniel was like not going to eat all that food. But really the heart of that is that Daniel was saying, I'm not going to be defiled by what this culture values. Like I'm Mm -hmm. going to keep my eyes on God. And so I was praying that Cassidy would have her focus in the right place, you know, and that she would see that there are things in our culture that would defile her and would distract her and would pull her away from what God has for her and that she would be wise and discerning about those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just a bit different when they're little, like most of the time you're just honestly praying to get through the day. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and as they get older, you begin to pray about, you know, with more, like it kind of shifts. And so you're praying more about the course of their life and like, those deeper things inside of them about how they make decisions. Whereas I used to literally every day when she would get out of the car, I would be like, okay, I'm praying for you that you'll be kind and make good choices. Right. right? <laughs> like This is my, just make good choices, make good choices. And now I pray that she'll make one choice. And that choice is to just love the Lord with all of her heart and mind and soul and strength. Yes. That's perfect. So, um, I know that you're a pastor's wife and a mom and a ministry leader. Um, one of the questions I like to ask people is how do you maintain your sense of Terry Lynn with all the demands and the roles that you fulfill? I have really good friends. <laughs> I, I've been really fortunate to have really, really good friends who see me. And I don't know how you feel about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram 3. Okay, great. And so that 
the downside of being an Enneagram free, like our core thing that we do is deception. Like we, um, I have, and I catch myself doing it all the time. Like I want to present the part of myself that's going to be most acceptable or most useful or most Mm -hmm. helpful or most whatever, you know? And so I have friends who are very good at saying, I love you because you're you because of not because of what you do, not because of what you bring to the table, not Mm -hmm. because of this, you know, and, and I have a husband who's really good at saying, you know, what did you, what did you do today that you're just, you know, that you just really loved? Not what are you proud of? Right. You know, cause I tend to focus on accomplishment. Well, and yeah, so, cause you're a three. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like every day make my list and let's, you know, a good day is the day you check everything off the list, you know, and a bad day is the day that you don't get around anything to the list, except for Sometimes those days where nothing got checked off the list are the days that I've done the most important things and I've loved really well and I've, you know, been interrupted all day long, but I've really served people. And so I love being asked that question. What did you do today that you really loved? Mm-hmm. You know, and I have friends who, who know the Enneagram and know me really well and know me for a long time. And so they're very quick to, um, when they see me kind of spiraling into that accomplishment, you know, and I'm just changing hats all the time. Right. Instead of just not putting any hat on, you know, and just being me. And one of the things I've also learned that helps me with that besides having really good friends, um, is, that I make it a point to do something that I love that seems to have no like real, like there's no real value in it. You know, like some days I'll say um, when I'm really, I feel that stress or whatever. And I'll think, I'm just going to, I'm going to bake cookies today. We don't need cookies. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? Like, or I may say, I'm going to take an hour today and I'm just going to read a book that is just, you know, it's not a Christian living book. It's not a book that I'm going right. to say, it's hey, not research. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not, this is not me trying to improve myself or find something to teach someone else. This is whatever crazy young adult fiction is out today. And I'm just going to read it because I enjoy it. And I'm, I'm going to give myself permission not to be pursuing a goal. Right. And I'm I think a one, so I, I can struggle with that sometimes, too. Yeah. One of my best friends is a one. With that and, need to get everything done yes. yep, before I do anything fun. I'm not very fun. I mean, that's just a fact of being a one, I think. I need yeah. people in my life that are fun. And so she's really good at saying to me, okay, but is that really what's going on with you? Like, because she knows that I'm just going to put on that you know, like, this is what she needs from me. So I'm going to be this right. person. And yeah, that so chameleon. I, yeah, it's, it's a be. really, and the more I've learned about it, the more I see that in myself. And I don't see that as like, it's not a terrible thing. No. You know, I mean, Paul said, I want to be all things to all people so that some might come to know him. And like, this is my thought, you know, like if I can be this kind, if I can focus on this part of my personality or this part of my experience to share with this person in order to help them grow spiritually, that is awesome to be able to almost compartmentalize that way and Mm -hmm. to see my life in those segments. But when that's all I do, and so every person is only getting part of me. So like I really, my husband is really quick to say, I feel like I'm not getting all of you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there have to be people in my life for me that get all of me. And that is one of the most important ways that I be, that I remain Terry Lynn, yes, right? Because I'm powerful. not just the Bible teacher or the mom or the wife or the ministry leader or the prayer calendar writer or whatever, that right. there are people in my life that they get all of me and they get the ugly parts too. 
That's awesome. So what projects do you have um, coming down the pike? Um, actually, right now, I am, um, there's some pretty big changes probably coming to how I do Girl Moms Ministry. Uh-huh. So I'm in the process of working out some different opportunities with that. So I'm really excited. I have zero book projects in the works, um, which is um kind of fun actually right now because I just feel like there are things that I want to do, but I just feel like I'm in a season right now where God is just using me more actively. And so Mm -hmm. writing a book takes a lot of time away from people to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting to engage, which as an extroverted Enneagram three is the ideal. Um, So I get to, you know, I get to do things with people. Um, I'm teaching a lot in my church. We're going through Exodus this year. So that has been really fun. So I'm teaching, I'm slowly teaching through a whole book of the Bible, which is probably my favorite thing on earth. Yes. I enjoyed Um, your uh, series on Psalms. Yes. I mean, I just really, really love going slow, 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 and just enjoying and savoring um, the word of God. And so I'm also doing a little bit more, I'm kind of dipping my toes into some local ministry to pastor's wives in Mm -hmm. our area and to women in ministry in our area and how I can serve them. And so I'm kind of in a season of um, exploring and I Mm -hmm. feel like I haven't been in that season for a long time where there are a lot of things that I could do and I'm not sure which ones I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of tasting, you know, (laughs) I feel like I'm at a buffet of options right now and I'm just waiting to see. So really a year from now, I might have a better answer, but right now I, I really, I honestly don't know what's next for Terry Lynn. And that's kind of fun. It's very strange, but it is kind of fun. <laughs> it's really, it's, I really am surprisingly, I would not, uh, five years ago, I would have hated that. Yes. Um, today, it I really can be kind of enjoy it. Yeah, I really yeah. am kind of enjoying it. So tell me and the listeners what you are watching, what you're reading, and what you're listening to these days. Okay, so I am watching, <laughs> you're going to laugh, um, I'm watching all of the Marvel movies to get ready okay. for Endgame. <laughs> so I think that probably is going to sound very out of character to people who have known me for a while. Like a little bit, like, yes. What? Um, so I'm, I'm watch, currently watching the Marvel movies, trying to get ready for Endgame. Um, I'm also re-watching Brothers and Sisters. Oh, on, my goodness. Um, That's who, one of my favorite shows I love that ever. show. Yeah. So I'm rewatching that. Um, Where is and it? Is it on Netflix or Hulu? It's on Hulu. Because now and, you know I want to go watch it all over. Yeah, now. right. I just love that show. So, and then I am also watching Survivor because I'm a reality TV junkie. Fun. And I just saw that The Amazing Race, the next um, series, uh, season of The Amazing Race, is going to be teams from Survivor. Big Brother and The Amazing Race. So I'm super excited. Like, I just, I really am a reality TV junkie. CBS reality TV. I don't really watch right. anything else. But, um, yeah. So that's, that's what I'm watching. Cool. How about reading and listening to? I am reading Emily Freeman and listening to Emily Freeman's The Next Right Thing. Yes. Um, I love book. her podcast. I'm reading her book. I'm also reading my friends Anne Renee. And Amanda have written a new book called Shining Things. Yes. And it's about the distractions of motherhood. It's so good. I endorsed it, so I've already read it. But it's fun to read it now after having read it for endorsement. Now right, the just complete product. Yeah. yeah. 
And, um, and I just finished Karen Kingsbury's latest novel, Two Weeks. So I read all of her books. Yeah, I love her. Um, they're, they're easy reads for me. I really enjoy them. And then I'm reading, I just actually this week put up a blog post about what I'm reading. That's how I can think of all this off the top of my head. Um, (laughs) I, my current young adult fiction series that I'm reading is the um, Second Born series. And it <gasps> does have some language and some, you know, more mature content. Mm-hmm. So, um, so if that's the kind of thing that makes people feel uncomfortable, they would not enjoy it. I, I kind of love the apocalyptic young adult, you yeah. know, Hunger Games kind of yeah. series. So this is one of those. So I've read the first two books and the third book comes out in June. So I'm excited about reading it. That's awesome. And what are you listening to? Um, currently, I have the Andrew Peterson song, Is He Worthy, on repeat. Mm. It is my favorite. Um, I'm listening to it a lot right now, especially leading up into Easter. Mm-hmm. So I'm loving that. Um, and I am also a huge One Direction fan. So I'm listening to, oh, you know, cool. Classic One Direction. Yeah. Guess, can it be classic? They're really not old enough to be classic. And I'm 47, so I'm not their, wasn't their target audience to start with. But <laughs> I really enjoy opening my sunroof and listening to One Direction while I drive. That's hilarious. I love it. I still like boy bands too. Is that <laughs> Buddy the Basset Hound? Yes, can you hear him? Oh my gosh, I just love it. I love to hear him since I've seen so many pictures of him. <laughs> He's such a mess. Well, Terry Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. And, um, my readers will be, or my listeners will be able to find all the links to you on my show notes page at melissasmallwood.com slash sharing our stories. And I've just loved catching up with you and I'm excited to see what you're going to be up to next. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It's been so much fun and I hope you have a great day. You too, hon. Bye-bye. All right, bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Terry Lynn. She is a precious friend and I relish the opportunity to share her wisdom and kindness with you, my listeners. Since we are talking about prayer this week, it seems the perfect opportunity to tell you about my devotional, about, you guessed it, prayer, that is releasing on May 1st. Foster Parent Prayers is the title, and it's a small 31-day devotional designed to help foster and adoptive parents pray scripture over their children. Each day contains a scripture-based prayer, as well as practical advice for navigating the challenges that arise when parenting children from hard places. I've been loving kids that I didn't birth for more than 20 years, and I'm so excited to share a bit of what I've learned along the way, coupled with my passion for prayer, with those in the trenches of foster and adoptive parenting. Be sure to check out my website, melissasmallwood.com, in the coming weeks for more details and to order the book for the foster and adoptive parents in your life. Until next time, go write your story. (music) 